Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Um, who really enjoyed that round of offering announcements? Yes, I feel like the Lord is saying to me that that needs to happen at least a couple or six or eight times a year, right? At least maybe once a month or something. Like that was, I mean, if that was the worst case scenario, then it's only getting better from here. <laughs> That was fantastic. You, thank you for doing that. That certainly made me pay attention, and I'm very glad. So um, good job on that. That was well done. So we have been chatting about, well, first of all, I just have to say um, that Canada welcomed me home from Orlando with quite a lovely Canadian surprise. Lovely snow. I know my brother was out uh, playing in the snow in his Jeep last night. Uh, it was fantastic. So I got an opportunity to go to the Children's Pastors Conference in Orlando, Florida, called CPC. And it is exciting and awesome, and I made some cool connections. But you know what? Sometimes we don't realize what we have here at Freedom House. We're not the best, we're not super special, but we do have a leadership, one, that values kids and youth. We have a leadership that's hungry after God and is willing to hear God and obey. And we have a, a leadership that puts prominence on the presence of God. I came back so thankful for the house that we have here. Like honestly, I talked to so many children's pastors who are worn out and tired and don't understand how to hear God, who don't understand, don't have a leadership that understands it's the kids that lead us in worship. The kids that help us get free in worship. They all come from that. And I love and I'm grateful to God that we have a culture here at Freedom House that chases God first. Honestly, I'm not saying that other churches don't. Of course they do. But there's something awesome about this house when it comes to our kids and when it comes to our youth and when it comes to following after God. And so when you think about Freedom House this week, will you pray for Brian and, and Dave as they're away? Because God is at work right here in Brantford doing something amazing. And he's doing it through us. And it's so exciting. And I, I just wanted to encourage you because I always go away to things like that and all of a sudden go, oh my goodness, like, thank you, God, that he's at work. And the great news is, is what he's doing here He's doing in so many other places. And it's just going to keep growing. And so I'm excited to see transformation. So we're talking for the last uh, few weeks about overflow. Because 2019 is the year of overflow. And last week, Brian talked about the river of God. And he talked from uh, Ezekiel uh, 47. And he talked from John chapter 7 and Revelations. All about the river of God that flows you know, so Ezekiel saw the river that flows from the throne of God. Jesus said that that river, when we come to him, actually flows from us. And then we see it again in Revelation, this picture of the life and the transformation that that river brings. And as I was meditating on where to go today, I just, I just kept hearing, sometimes we as Christians forget what we actually have. We forget. It's easy because life 
gets in the way. And so today I want to remind us of who we are. I want to remind us of what's already in us. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you already have this river within us. We already have the tools. We already have things that uh, we have at our access. But sometimes we're not aware of what we have and how to access those things. And so that's what I actually want to explore today. And, and if you have never given your life to Christ, I want to give an invitation at the end of today because I want you to hear what you're missing out on and I want to he- you to understand that this is for you. We're, we're, it's not a special elite club. This is for you because God loves you. And we, he is calling each of us to be children of the most high God. And so I just want to dig into that. Is that okay? So we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, we just give you permission to reveal yourself to us, to reveal who we are to us today, to show us, the tools of the trade of living in overflow and help us to get a clear picture of what you've already planted in us because of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would um, lead us and teach us today in Jesus' name. So we talked last week, Brian talked about the river of God, all right? And he talked from John 7, 37. If anyone is thirsty, come and drink the invitation. Who here is thirsty? Absolutely. Who here is thirsty? If we're not getting anything that God has for us if we're not thirsty. Plain and simple. There is an invitation. But then we look in Matthew, and Jesus is talking again, and we see in chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, it says, are you weary? Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Come to me. Learn of me. So he kind of continues the invitation in Matthew chapter 11, but he adds something interesting to it that says, I don't want you to just come to me and get, I actually want you to learn. I actually want you to change how you're doing things in order to fully grab a hold of what I'm giving you. In fact, this is consistent through scripture because we see it in Isaiah 55. Isaiah is talking and and God is saying, give ear to me. Come to me, listen, see what, see what it is I have for you. And he, he actually goes a little bit further and he says in Isaiah 55, he says, why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your earnings for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight in abundance. There is an or overflow, exactly. I, our soul delight in abundance, in overflow. Come. Why are you spending money on things that seem predictable? The world says, if you're hungry, you should spend money on bread. But God is saying, if you're hungry, come to me and learn a different way. And I want us to grab a hold of it because it's not just in a spiritual context that God actually wants to teach us a different way. It's in a physical and an emotional context as well. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit. And it was interesting because as I was reading through uh, and studying, um, God actually led me to Psalm 46. And Psalm 46 captures so well some of the tools that God has given us for living in the overflow. But I just want to verify for you that you do have this. 
So I, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to turn in your scriptures to 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm actually going to be reading from the message version because I just love it. The way it says it. So we probably know that God, from the NIV, that's how I memorize every, almost all my verses is NIV. And it says, it says that God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Is that familiar to you? This is how the message says it. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. The best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. So today we're going to explore those tickets. What it actually means to participate in the divine, participate in the kingdom of God. But just so you know that I'm not lying to you, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't handle life the way the world handles life. We have a different way. The weapons, the tools, the tickets that we fight with are not of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. God has given us an invitation to step into the river. Everywhere the river flows, it brings life. And the river within us has, within it, everything we need to live in the overflow. So we're going to unpack it a little bit. What are these tickets? What are these tools? What, are, what has God already given us that we can tap into to live life a little bit differently? And the first thing is our worship. Trevor, thank you for being obedient this morning. Did you feel something shift in your own heart this morning when we just stopped a little longer and we made it our praise instead of our praise? We made it my praise. Did you feel something shift? Our worship is an incredible tool. It's already in you. That's who you are. As a child of the Most High King, we get to actually uh, enjoy the presence of God and our natural, most r logical response is worship to the goodness of God. Worship. There's a new song out right now, and Wanda introduced it to us at our leadership retreat. And it's called Raise a Hallelujah. Have you guys heard that song? <laughs> but here's the thing, Tuesday night of fusion. We're going to start singing this song. But there's a line in there and it says, my weapon is a melody. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm going through crap, singing isn't my first impulse. Or at least it wasn't. Until I found out how it works. See, Sometimes we have this idea that God calls us and God wants us to worship because somehow he needs it. 
He doesn't need anything. We need it. It's a gift. Worship is a gift that we actually, it helps us to turn from the things that are dark and the things that are awful in our lives. And worship actually is a mechanism that helps us see just how big God is. And verse 1 in, chapter, in Psalm 46 says this, Our God is our res- refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. He opens his time of worship in this song by turning his eyes and making this declaration that says, God is with me in my trouble. We have that in us. It's already there. But sometimes we don't use it. The next ticket, the next tool that we have is our will. Verse 2 of Psalm 46 says, You know, God is mighty. He's our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, I will, we will not fear. Hmm. You know, what's it there for? Because God is our ever-present help in trouble. If he's always with us, he's always our help. Therefore, I will not fear. And there is an element of choice here that's a challenge for us sometimes because we definitely feel the fear. And it's not that what we feel doesn't matter. It's just that it's secondary to what's true. The things that we feel actually help us to point to the truth that we need. When we feel afraid, we know we need to remember that God is my ever-present help in trouble. I need to go and look at God again. Thank you, devil, for helping me to remember what's true. When I feel fear, ha, 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 joke's on you. I'm going to remember who God is when I feel fear. Therefore, I will not be afraid. And he even goes so much further in this psalm and says, though the earth gave way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea and though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging and there's all this drama. His statement before it all is, therefore, I will not fear. God has given us our will. He's given us our choice. And it's, it's a gift and it's a tool that we, defy, that we fight darkness with. Another tool is our hope. I love the way Brian said it last week. The picture that God gave him that no matter where we go in Brantford, we can stick a stake in the ground and hit the river. I love how it says here, verses four to six in in Psalm chapter 46, it says, there is a river whose streams make glad the entire city of God. That tells me there's a river running under the city. There's many streams everywhere. The holy place where the Most High dwells, and then here it is. God is within her. Her, the city. Her, the people of the city. God is within. The river's within. It's right there. Our hope is based on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's done. It's paid for. The river's running. It's flowing. It's flowing out of us. If we've accepted Jesus into our lives, the river is there. Our hope is anchored in the river of God. There's nothing that can sway that. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. 
and he lifts his voice and the earth melts. <laughs> That's a fun picture. That is what's in you. The river of God that is in you is a river of hope. If you are feeling hopeless today, I want you to dare to trade the hopelessness and stick your toe in the river of hope. And it's a choice. And we do that with worship. I see some layers happening here. We keep going. Verses 7, 8, and 9. The Lord Almighty is with us. We're going right back to that declaration. But here it is. It says, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease at the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. You know what David is doing right now? He's rehearsing all of God's goodness in his life. And Trevor, again, you so heard God this morning because it was just like, have you thought about all the times that you've encountered God's love? And do you remember, like, let's actually take a minute to review the history of God's awesomeness in our lives. And our faith is built because we're reminded of the hope and we make a choice. And then we have these automatic response of worship that's coming out of our lives. Our faith is a tool. Our faith is a gadget that we can de demolish darkness with because we're recounting the goodness. And I mean, we've got historical record of the goodness of God going back thousands of years. So if I don't have my own history, which I'm sure you do, I can go back to the history and the record of scripture. And it's all there. And it's so important that we grab a hold. So we have, we have the tools of our worship and our will and our hope and our faith. But there's something that is actually required for us to actually utilize those things. And this is, I think, the hardest one, at least I know for me. And it's our surrender. In the middle of this psalm, he's declaring, he's declaring, he's declaring, and then he stops. And God, in the middle of his declaring, says to him, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. Surrender. Trust. Hold on. I don't know about you, but surrender's hard. But it flows in the river. It's a part of the kingdom. Surrender is a part of the kingdom. It flows in the river. If I'm struggling with it, it's, I just need to go and worship and then address my will and then allow my hope and my faith to rise up. See, they're all working in tandem to help me to get to this place of surrender. I think most of the time we need to get out of our own heads. We make all of our lives about ourselves. Oh, this thing happened. It's about me. <laughs> this must mean this about me and my life. It's probably irrelevant. But we make it personal and we make it burdensome because we fail to surrender. We fail to yield. And this is a lesson that's ongoing in my life because 
I, I kind of view my heart like this big map and God started in this one little corner and he's like, okay, you know, I, I, I want to take over here. So you need to surrender in this little area of, you know, your devotion time. I want you to surrender your time to me. Okay, good. Okay, we got that. And then God's like, oh, so by the way, your finances. I would really love to talk about surrendering finances. <laughs> okay, still working on that one. All right, good. And now I'd like to take you about surrender and parenting and in your marriage and, and in this area and that area. And Holy Spirit actually wants to take over the entire territory of my heart so that my whole being... My whole heart is surrendered to him. And in surrender, it's transformed. But if I won't yield it, God isn't forcing a transformation. Because the only way that you can transform a rock is to squeeze it and crumble it. And God really likes us and doesn't like to crush us. He wants a soft heart. He wants a yielded heart because then he can make something absolutely amazing out of it. Surrender. And I just want to take a moment and pause and allow Holy Spirit to actually have some space in this moment. What is God calling to you in, in the area of surrender? Because we all have something that God is saying, just so you know, really need you to surrender this area of your life if you want to see the destiny and the things that I have planned for you to live in I want you to surrender it so I just want you to close your eyes for a moment I know we're in the middle of the sermon it's weird but I want you to close your eyes and give Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak do you need to surrender your image of God do you need to surrender your image of yourself your image of your destiny your image of your past are there habits and disciplines that need to change? I want you to write down what Holy Spirit drops in your heart as we chat through this. You can open your eyes whenever you're ready. Surrender is so important. I think we spend a lot of time affirming ourselves in the kingdom of God, that God's got you in you're a child of God and you're loved and you're accepted and you're forgiven and you're free and yes, all of that is true. In fact, we have an incredible inheritance of our people who believe in his promises and provision and power and presence but we can't access any of it without surrender. The act of surrender is the, is the motion of stepping into the river and being immersed in the river rather than just standing on the bank and watching the river pass us by and wonder why we feel so powerless. So I want to challenge you today. What is God saying to you in the way of surrender? Because if we can get to this place in, in one area, and thank goodness for God's grace, he doesn't expect surrender and everything immediately. He's actually willing to walk the journey of taking over the territory of our heart for the whole life. But in the journey of surrender, something happens to our perspective. Very last verse. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. No matter what we're going through, no matter the pain we feel, no matter how dry it is, I have a river. 
there's a perspective shift that happens when I surrender and yield and remember who God is. And that is what God is calling us to as children of the Most High God. He's calling us out of the temporary interpretation of the world into an eternal one. He wants to lift our eyes beyond our temporary and momentary troubles to see the light and the eternal of God's goodness in and through us. That is the journey to lift our perspective. And that's also the hard part of it. But what we see depends mainly on what we're looking for. God actually gave me this picture while I was preparing and it's horribly sketched so I decided to protect you and <laughs> uh, describe instead of uh, show. Um, but I just saw this big dark shadow over here and it was immense and I was little and I was just fighting and I was exhausted and I was boxing this thing and it just didn't even seem to move and it was, it was enormous. And then I panned back a little bit from the picture as I saw myself fighting all this darkness and behind me there was these legs and I saw the legs follow up and all of a sudden as the picture, as the picture kind of grew, I saw this picture of of Jesus in the shape of a cross holding his hands out and his one hand had darkness by the throat. I'm down here. And God's already like. But all I could see was the dark because I failed to look for the light and to turn myself around and actually focus on the light. And I believe that's the shift that God is calling to. If we want to walk in overflow, and we do, right? I do believe we want to walk in overflow. There is something about our perspective that when we actually as sons and daughters of the Most High King start looking at our Father and start allowing and just saying, God, I'm all in and, and here I am. I'm yours, yielded and surrendered. Do in me. Help me see what you see. Then we get to have this life. Tropical in the desert. I should have found a snowstorm is really what I should have done. I think that would have made that a little more real. Warm, sunny, tropical in the middle of the snowstorm. But that's the truth of it. I carry the river within me. If I can't see it, I'm not looking for it. I'm not looking for it, but God actually wants to challenge our perspective on this. And this is the crux of it. Proverbs 4.23, I think this is becoming my life verse. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it is the wellspring of life. Even in Proverbs, it's talking about the river. It's talking about the source of life. And what is in our heart? What is in our mind? What is, what's going on there? It's our thoughts, our ideas, our fears, our emotions. All of that stuff. If we are not surrendering those things, and just like 2 Corinthians admonished us that we're actually taking captive our thoughts and making them obedient to Christ, 
it will be impossible to live in the overflow. We can't hold on to our worry and have trust in God at the same time. At the conference, um, there were some really, really great speakers, and there was this one guy from Chicago, and he said this so plainly. He said, understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. Understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. This is a command. Above all else, guard your heart. It's a command. The understanding takes a lifetime of obedience to get to. Because understanding is a byproduct like trust of obedience and surrender. When we are surrendered and when we choose obedience, then Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, lean not, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. The understanding and the aha and all of that comes after. And it does come. We have to choose surrender and we have to choose obedience. And in doing so, overflow starts flowing out of our lives. This is what's in you. You have everything that you need for life. It's in you. What are you willing to trade? What are you willing to trade? What needs to stop today that's dry land and arid in your world? What needs to stop today so that you can walk in the overflow today and moving forward? This is where the rubber meets the road and this I, I, I think if, I, if I'm just honest for myself, this is always the hard part because I want everything that God has for me, but then I don't want the discipline of it. Ugh. I don't. It's hard. It's work. But there are two pains in life. There's the pain of discipline and there's the pain of regret and we will experience one or the other. I want the pain of discipline. I do, I, I, I think I do. I need to want the pain of discipline because I don't want to regret. I don't want to get to the, the end of my life and meet Jesus and realize what I had available to me in the river that I failed to access because I couldn't let myself go. Get out of my head and trust God for who he said he is. And that will be a regret for all of us in some area of our lives when we stand before the Father when we realize what our life could have looked like here if we had trusted in who God said he was. I don't want that for me. But the truth of it is, I can't do it alone. Yes, the river is in me. But I need you. I need your encouragement. I need your support. I need your words of truth. 
remind me of the things that I promised to discipline myself about. <laughs> we need each other. The changes that we want to make in our lives and that the Holy Spirit's calling us, the, the, the things he's calling us to lay down, we do better when we do it together as a community. Which is why we're here. Chasing God. Loving him. Chasing after him with all our heart. So as we close in prayer, I actually want to take a moment for two things. First, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior and understood the price he paid to reconcile you with God, to take away and make the trade of your sins for his grace and to reintroduce you to a father who loves you and who designed you from the foundations of the earth even before you were a twinkle in your mother's eye. He knew your name and he wants you to know his if that's you tonight, today, this morning, in this moment, I invite you to come and to just present yourself to God. And I'm going to be weird and awkward about it. And I actually want you to come. I want you to grab the person who's sitting next to you and say, will you come with me? And I want you to come up. But there's an, another invitation. And that's to each one of us here who has accepted Jesus Christ. I'm not usually a huge altar call fan, but there's something in the symbolism of coming and laying something at the altar. Physically making the trade. Physi physically making the trade, saying, God, I give you this. I choose this. Would you stand with me? Because if there's got something that God is actually challenging you in your heart to, to, to trade out, I just want you even now just to start coming and this isn't about us. This isn't, we're not going to make this about us. It doesn't matter what people think. This is between you and God and this is that thing. You're either going to have the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. But are you willing? I know I'm here. I'm first in line because there's stuff in my life I gotta lay down. I gotta stop being so selfish. I gotta stop thinking I can have my way and God's way too. I'm here. Will you join me? Will you join me? There's no fancy music. There's nothing weird. I'm actually just calling to your will and I'm calling to your courage and I'm calling to you and saying, will you come? Are you? like me, hungry and desperate for who God is, wanting more than anything to be transformed and to live in the overflow because that's you, that's me, that's what's in us. That's what the invitation is. Will you come? So God, we just, we just turn this moment to you. And we ask right now for a revelation of who you are. God, that you will transform us. Lord, that you will give us a, a picture of who you are, that it will be bigger than our unbelief. It'll be bigger than our fear. It'll be bigger than our shame. It'll be bigger than the insecurities and inadequacies in our lives. That it will be bigger, Lord God, than the obstacles that I see. It'll be bigger than my past. It will be bigger. And Jesus, I choose it. I choose it. I choose it. 
Because God, I want to walk in the overflow. And I can't do it without your Holy Spirit. I can't do it without these friends. And so Lord Jesus, we just come. And I just want you to lift your own prayer up wherever you're at. I just want you to cry out to God. I just want you to press into this spirit moment. I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us not to require the fancy ambiance and the beautiful music to stir it up. I want us to stir it up within ourselves and say, God, I'm all in. Take me afresh. God, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the things that you've opened up for us. I thank you that you call us sons and daughters and that the river already runs within us and that I can dip my toe in. And then I can say, God, throw the line another thousand cubits and and then I can go into my knees, God. And then I can say, throw the line. And I can go in up to my thigh, God. And I can say, throw the line. God, I want to go deeper. I want to float in the river. I want to abandon myself to the river. I want to see what you see when we drown in the river. Because there's life when we die to ourselves. Jesus, we just, you see every one of us in our hearts. You know exactly where we're at. And no matter where we are, you say, come. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light because the river carries it. Mark, in a minute, I'm going to get you to play that overflow song. Lord Jesus, we just give you permission to convict us and to draw us with your sweet invitation to remind us again of who you are and who we are and what is truly inside of us. Lord, the shame, the condemnation, the history, the past, the worry, the fear, none of it can break your light. None of it can stop the river. And so, Jesus, I choose to look at you. We choose to look at you, God. We're hungry for you. We want you. And, Lord, if we struggle to be hungry, Lord, we give you permission to just stir us up too. Lord, wherever we find ourselves, God, there's no shame. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We just want to be hungry. We want to keep walking. One step at a time, line upon line, precept upon precept, that you are teaching us to guard our hearts. Mark, would you play that?